Here's the deal. If you are part of our church community, the last few Sundays, you've heard us say, hey, let's stand together wherever you're at, just like uh, you're in this room. And uh, I got to experience, um, you know, kind of what what that's like with my family. And uh, for some people, it's just awkward. And so I had this conversation with Pastor Brad, and we said, look, there's almost this elephant in the room where where we're expecting families to, you know, um, uh, stand and, and respond and worship in, in the same way that they would as if they were here in this auditorium. And listen, um, if, if that's a distraction, if that's weird for you guys, if it's awkward, just don't worship like that. There's no right way um, to worship. There's no formula that you have to follow. Um, worship is, is just that. It's honoring and praising our creator God who saved us. And so maybe instead of trying to force something in your homes, it, it looks more like um, sitting down instead and as, as you hear us sing these songs and sing truths about who God is um, and us expressing ourselves to God and thanking God, that you just find yourself agreeing with that and maybe out loud, like, yeah, you are a God who loves his church the way um, that a groom loves his bride. Or you, you did save me um, when, when I was lost. You did um, go all of the way when I was a sinner. And so maybe it's that. If you have kids, maybe say, hey, if, if there's any lyric in the song that you have a question about, um, ask us about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it as a way of worshiping. And so um, feel free to worship like that um, because we certainly don't want any way that you would worship to distract you from, from the heart of worship. We, we want to be engaged together. So anyways, uh, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll dig into singing songs and worshiping in whatever way um, is fitting for you and your family. And again, we're worshiping together in this way, which is awesome. So God, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you for dying on the cross to pay for all of our sins so that for those of us who say, yes, I surrender my life to you, I choose your way, I choose to be with you again, that we can be with you forever. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, every bit of who you are. We love you. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. So call back the sinner, wake up the saints, let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride, like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come. Lord Jesus, come. Even so come. Lord Jesus, come. justice, all will be new, your name forever, faithful and true, Jesus is coming soon, 
to sing God we wait and here's here's the deal that waiting is not sitting idle and just waiting for him to show up when we sing God we wait we wait for you we're saying God we choose to be proactive in the season of waiting for you to return and to claim all of your sons and daughters as your own and for us to look forward at to eternity with you as we wait for that moment we choose to be proactive we choose to share your love we share we choose to share the gospel the hope of you So God, our hearts um, cry, um, come back. We want you here, we want you now, we want the fullness of you, but in the meantime, as we wait, we choose to um, love others the way that you've called us and to be who you um, call us to be as a church. So let's, um, let's sing these words in that way, in that spirit of worship. God, we wait. We wait for you. God, we wait. You're coming soon. God, we wait. We wait for you. God, we wait. You're coming soon. God, we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait, you're coming soon. Oh, 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 o
and so come, Lord Jesus, come. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name, still, call the seas to still. The rage in me to still every wave. At your name, Jesus, Jesus, you the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, the silence here, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, breathe, call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. The silence here, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Sing it again, oh Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your silence here, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. The shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive and very lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, and it's forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. 
we thank you that we don't have to fear because of who you are. Mm. So God, we respond um, with a, a song of old, um, just remembering all that you've done for us. some wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display then sings my soul my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home when joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my soul 
sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thank you for saving us. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, what we're going to do now is um, a, a scripture reading. And uh, again, if you're new to SEC, you're new to church in general, uh, what we're about to do is something that the original church um, uh, back in, uh, in, in the book of Acts, you'll see a lot of this. Um, they w- when they gathered together to worship like we are, um, they would formally read um, the word of God, and we know that the word of God is from God himself, and uh, there is uh, power in the word of God, and so we need to, um, when we approach the word of God, when we deal with it, we need to, to approach it with respect, with awe, and with wonder, because um, it's the only book in history that is supernaturally inspired um, and, and written, and so we're going to read this passage um, together. And uh, honor God in that way. So here it is. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory. This is the reading of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Well, good morning, everybody, wherever you may be joining us. We're so glad that you chose to be with us uh, this morning. And I haven't talked a lot about this publicly, but I um, it's just so weird preaching to a camera. I miss uh, seeing faces. I miss seeing you. I mean, I, I don't know that I want to see you as your family sees you right now. I don't know that I want to see bedhead you or that I want to see you in your pajamas, but I want to see you in whatever you would normally, you know, wear to church, blue jeans, t-shirt, whatever that might be. So it'll be a good day, won't it, when we can gather together again. Hey, so we've been in a series called This Is Us. We're looking at our mission, vision, our values, and uh, today's value is absolutely vital. Um, If I had to pick a value uh, that, you know, if we could only have one, it would have to be this one because this value is the difference between crawling along in life and um, moving through life with joy and wonder and awe. And that's what I would want for you and your family. It's what I would want for me and for my family, right? So this value relates to spiritual power. And here's the way we articulate this. We say, 
we will daily, we could say moment by moment, but we will daily live out of the resources of the Holy Spirit and leave our own weakness and brokenness behind. Now, if you've lived the Christian life for more than about five minutes, you know that the Christian life is not just difficult to live, really, it's impossible to live. Uh, which means you can't live the Christian life alone, that we all have to live the Christian life out of the resources, out of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the good news, that God hasn't left us alone to struggle through the Christian life, but he's given us his Holy Spirit, right? And uh, we want you to know that every good thing that God brings into your life, every good thing that God does in you, comes by virtue or through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus used words like helper and comforter to refer to the Holy Spirit. Paul said that the Holy Spirit seals us the moment that we say yes to Jesus, that it acts as a down payment guaranteeing uh, that Jesus is going to come back for us. Uh, But today we're going to look at one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, as it relates to the Holy Spirit, Uh, Romans chapter 8. But i got to be honest, it is a tough call. Uh, Galatians 5 is also an absolutely vital and critical passage on the Holy Spirit. But since we just recently did an entire series in the book of Galatians, we're going to recommend, if you'd like to look at uh, what we said about Galatians chapter 5, that you go to our website, Um, and that you browse through our messages there, um, and you'll hear more of our thoughts on the Holy Spirit. Uh, But that entire series is available on our website. You can check that out there. So today we're going to be in Romans 8. Uh, We're going to start with verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together. It says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, those who've said yes to him. When we say yes to him, he claims us as his own. He draws us to himself. It goes on to say this, and because you belong to him, the power, underline that word, think about that word, meditate on that word. It's so important here. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that leads to sin and to death. So what Paul says here is that miraculously, when a person puts their trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins, they become uncondemnable. Uncondemnable. Now, this isn't the way we're used to thinking about ourselves, right? We think we're easily condemned. We think that, you know, we're keenly aware of the ways that we fall short. But in Christ, when God looks at us and sees us through the lens of his son, he sees you and I as uncondemnable. Uh, So when we say that we believe a person needs to put their trust in Christ and Christ alone, here's what we're saying. We're saying that we all have to come to a point in our the beginning of our journey with God where we say, God, I can't, I can't save myself, but you can. So I'm going to trust in you and your finished work on the cross and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins. I can't do that, but you can. 
And we want to argue, and we're going to see here in Romans 8 today, that we have to live, we have to grow in the Christian life in exactly the same way as we rely upon and depend upon the Holy Spirit of God, right? So it's not what we do, but it's what Christ has done. Um, and so, yeah, relying on the Holy Spirit in a moment-by-moment way, we do, we work in the same way. But what I also love about these verses is that Paul tells us here that not only did Jesus save us from the penalty of sin, but that the Holy Spirit saves us from the power of sin as well, which means we have a choice. I know sometimes sin looks overwhelming. It feels overpowering. It feels we're being carried along. Paul would say, no, we always have a choice because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us. In other words, greater is he who is in you and in me, right, than he who is in the world. And then he goes on, Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. And then he gives us the result. Two ways to live, talks through the result. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So I want to be clear, because this is uh, difficult to take in. Um, I want to make this as clear as I can. So what does it mean for someone to have a mindset on the flesh? Uh, Here's how we're going to define that today. We're going to say that the person who would choose that mindset is a person that would say this, look, I'm looking out for me. I will decide what is best for me, and I will do what is best for me. It doesn't matter what God has said, I choose. I decide, and then I will do what is in my best self-interest. Now, this is so interesting because here Paul says that that mindset results in death. This does not mean death in the way that you and I normally think about the word. We think, well, it means people cease to exist, at least in the here and now, right? They're they're here one moment and then they're gone. That is not the way the the word is being used here. It means uh, the separation of a relationship, and in this case, our relationship with God. In other words, when I just live for me and when I decide what I want to do and I do what I want to do, that mindset separates me from God. Conversely, we're told that a mindset on the spirit does just the opposite, right? And here's how we're going to define having a mindset on the spirit today. It means this, my moment by moment, so important, dependence, could use the word surrender, uh, to the inner promptings and inner power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this is an intensely relational command. Uh, In other words, I have to focus on, I have to depend upon, I have to be in moment-by-moment relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Let me kind of give you an example of this. Uh, Let's say that I was going to invite you to my home for coffee or breakfast or dinner, whatever. 
uh, and there's a couple of ways that I could get you to my home, right? One is I could shoot you my address. You pull that up on Google Maps. But I want you to notice you're, right, you're in Google. You're, not, you're no longer looking at me. You're no longer uh, focused on me. And when you pull up Google, you're going to immediately begin to focus on what you need to do to get to my house. Hey, I need to turn right here. Hey, I need to turn left there. Oh, hey, I missed that turn. I need to do a U-turn here, right? And that's going to be your list. That's going to be your focus. Or I could say to you, look, I want you to put Google down. I want you to follow me, right? Now then, you're not focused on a list or rules or, or how you're going to get to my home, right? You're just looking at me, and you're, if you're driving and you're following me with your spouse, you're going to say things like, hey, don't let too many cars get between us and Brad. Hey, let's keep our eyes on Brad. We want to go where he goes. We want to do what he does. We want to turn where he turns, right? It's much more relational. Right? And uh, in that case, you've got to stay close to me. This is the idea when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, we're never told, I mean, all these concepts, when, when the writers of Scripture say things like walk in the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit or have a mind set on the Spirit, they're all asking us to do the same thing. It's the same command, just said in a lot of different ways and they're all saying the same thing we have to in a moment by moment kind of way surrender depend upon the holy spirit of god right uh, and then look at this here's kind of another way to think about this while we're um, thinking about cars here's a sign you often see when you're in your car right and when you see a sign like this you'll often kind of you know, you'll slow down, you assess your surroundings, you look around at what's happening and what other drivers are doing, and that determines whether you can proceed through the intersection or not. Yielding to the Holy Spirit is very much the same kind of example. For, so when I yield to the Holy Spirit, I look around, I assess what is the Spirit saying in this moment? What is He doing? And then I determine whether I can go or which direction, you know, I need to go. Now, some translations, like the NIV and the NLT here, use the word control. They, instead of talking about a mind set on the Spirit, they say this, that we're to have a mind controlled by the Spirit. I think this is an unfortunate overreach. The word controlled, the Greek word here, is not in the manuscript at all. Uh, they added the word, they put this word in, but I think it's a reach, and I'll tell you why. God does not, your heavenly Father does not want to control your mind. He wants to lead you, he wants to guide you, but he also wants you to choose to follow, right? Because you have a will. And our God wants us to exercise our will in this endeavor. He will never force himself on you or treat you uh, like a robot ever, ever, ever. He could. He's that much bigger than you and me, but he won't, right? Notice, too, that Paul tells us here the results 
of living in the flesh and living in the spirit. We already talked about the results of living in the flesh. It's the death of a relationship, right? In this case, the relationship between me and God. But I want you to think about this. We understand this when it comes to all relationships. Uh, Think about the most selfish, self-centered person you know. That's a person whose mind is set on the flesh, right? We've already said that that's the person that would say, I will, you know, I'm in this for me. I'm going to decide what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for me. Uh, Is it easy to have a relationship with somebody who's selfish and self-centered? Absolutely not. It's never easy to have a relationship with someone like that, right? Self-centeredness causes relationships to die little by little by little. It results in death, and that's the idea of this passage. But then he goes on to say, but a mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. So I'd like to just ask you today to evaluate your mindset over the last couple of days. Has it been filled with things like worry or fear or indecision or uncertainty? Those are indicators of a mindset on the flesh. I'm in this for me. I have to preserve me, right? But he says a mindset on the spirit is completely different than that in fact one way to translate this phrase mindset is to say uh, you've chosen to side so in other words we can choose to side with the flesh or we can choose to side with the spirit he says look when you side with the spirit you get a mind that's filled with life and peace and rest so important to understand and then he goes on Romans chapter 8 verses 9 and then uh, 13 and 14 he says but you are not in the flesh you are in the spirit since the spirit of God dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him for if you live according to the flesh kind of repeats this same message right you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live then this amazing statement in verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God in other words it isn't just that the spirit helps us or counsels us he gives us a new identity he gives us an identity as children of God. Now, Paul's told us elsewhere, the man who wrote this, these verses, uh, namely in Galatians 3 and in Ephesians 1, that we receive, every one of us, the Holy Spirit the moment that we place our trust in the finished work of Jesus. That Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, he takes up residence in us and begins to indwell us. So here, He is simply saying that if someone doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they were never a Christian in the first place because every Christian gets the Holy Spirit, right? When they put their trust in Christ. And he tells us something else that's so important here. He tells us that the Holy Spirit doesn't just indwell us, but he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. 
That's one of the sole reasons. This is why we would say we want to live in moment-by-moment dependence on the daily promptings of the Holy Spirit, right? Because He wants to lead us. Now listen, the Holy Spirit rarely, um, He's never spoken audibly to me. Uh, So when we talk about the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, what we're talking about is a a set of inward impressions, an inward prompting. Um, He prompts from within, and when he does that, it's always very gentle and it's always very soft, which is why we have to attune ourselves to listen in into what the Spirit is saying. And this is why uh, it's it's a still voice, it's a small voice. Um, And this is why things like solitude and stillness become so important. There's an awesome story in 1 Kings chapter 19. The prophet Elijah has been threatened by a very powerful woman by the name of Jezebel. And so he's afraid, rightly so, because uh, she has the power uh, to follow through. So God comes to speak, uh, speak to and to comfort Elijah. And we're told that um, Elijah hears a wind that te- literally tears the mountain apart, but that God wasn't in the wind. And then we're told that Elijah feels a powerful earthquake, uh, but God was not in the earthquake, right? Then Elijah is terrified by a raging fire, but God was not in the fire. But then God speaks to Elijah in uh, what some versions call a gentle whisper. Other versions say God speaks to Elijah through a still, small voice. And the reason this story is so important is because that is exactly the way the Holy Spirit speaks inwardly in the life of a believer. He doesn't yell at us. Uh, He just speaks in a still, small voice, that gentle whisper. Recently, my wife Jackie's been reading a book on silence and solitude. She was telling me the other day as she was reading this book about a study out of the University of Virginia that showed that given a choice, many people would actually rather endure an unpleasant electric shock then sit alone for 15 minutes with their thoughts. So here's the way it works. Study participants um, were exposed to a mild shock, which they all reported was unpleasant or uncomfortable. But they were told that um, rather than sit in an empty room with no cell phone, no iPad, no music to listen to, absolutely nothing to do, that if they didn't want to sit alone in that room for 15 minutes, that they could uh, push a button and voluntarily shock themselves. And amazingly, two-thirds of the men and one-quarter of the women actually chose to to push that button, to voluntarily shock themselves rather than sit in silence. And this tells us something so profound as it relates to the Holy Spirit. This is why some of us have never heard or never felt, you know, the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit of God because our minds are too distracted and we're too afraid 
to sit alone in silence and solitude, even for a few minutes, just with our own thoughts. We would rather be entertained or distracted by a screen or several screens even at once. Friends, that kind of life, that kind of mindset, a mindset that says, hey, entertain me, keep me occupied, uh, interferes. It short circuits the life of the Spirit or having a mindset on the Spirit. And then Paul goes on, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. He says, So, hey, you've not received a Spirit that makes you fearful, fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now, we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are indeed God's children. Isn't that amazing that that's one of the ways the spirit of God comforts us by telling us, hey, you are a child of God. You are a new creation. You don't have to be the same man, the same woman anymore. I've created you for more. Love that. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, And since we are his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now here's what he's telling us in these verses. It's so powerful. He's saying, look, you don't have to live anymore as a slave to your fears. You don't have to live anymore as a slave to your insecurities. You don't have to live as a slave anymore, not for one more moment, to your desires. You don't have to live as a slave to your moods. You don't have to live as a slave to your failures. You don't have to live as a slave to your shortcomings. You don't have to live that way for one more moment. You are free from those things because the Holy Spirit of God lives and moves and breathes within you. Uh, you don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. And this is so important because often our moods, don't they? Our desires seem so strong and so powerful and so overwhelming. We can begin to feel like victims if we're not careful. And Paul says, listen, you don't have to live as a victim anymore. The power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you through his spirit and presence. So what that means is that things like anger and resentment and worry get banished by the Holy Spirit when we have a mindset on him, when we're living in moment-by-moment -moment surrender to him. And then he tells us that we act like heirs in that moment, heirs of God's glory. Uh, that, that, and listen, folks, we hunger, you and me hunger, to, hunger for the residue of the glory of God. Every one of us do. I mean, the deepest longing in your heart and mine is for the glory of God. And Paul tells us here that the gateway to that is the Holy Spirit whom God has placed in us. And he tells us something else that's so powerful here. That uh, if we're going to experience the glory of God, we also have to experience his suffering. 
Uh, And this is so powerful because often when the rest of the world suffers, and we understand suffering, don't we, in a day and in a time like this. Uh, And we're told repeatedly through Scripture that there will be suffering in this world. And the pandemic that we're enduring together is just evidence of what the Bible tells us, what the writers of Scripture have said, right? But he's just saying, look, you don't have to live that way anymore. And he's telling us when you endure suffering, you don't have to endure suffering like the rest of the world does. When they endure suffering, they just think it's random. They just think it's happening for no reason. But when you endure suffering, the Holy Spirit is revealing God's glory in you. The Holy Spirit is bringing the character of Christ into your life. So your suffering and my suffering is purposeful. It's not random. It's not accidental. God is using those things to form and shape in you and me the image of his son so important that we are the children of god now listen i have three children um only one of them uh, is at home uh, at this point my older two sons are out of the house but here's what i can tell you about all three of my children they all three learned to crawl before they learned to walk crawling came much more naturally for them than walking but parents know something that our toddlers don't always know right we know that our toddlers are capable of doing more than just crawling so we want them to walk right we know that no good parent wants their kids to crawl through life the difference between walking in the flesh And walking in the Spirit is the difference between crawling through life and walking through life. If you live with a mindset on the flesh, this is all about me, I decide what's best for me, and I will do what is best for me, then you will spend your life, most of your life, crawling through and you will have the bloodied knees and the bruised hands to prove it on the other hand if you and i go through life with a mindset on the spirit that's when we're walking right that's when we get up off of our hands and knees and we begin to move through life right the difference between a mindset on the flesh and a mindset on the spirit is the difference between crawling and walking and I'll tell you this uh, obstacles look smaller when you're walking right when you're crawling uh, many obstacles meet you at eye level but something that you could just step over if you were walking right you are meant friends not to crawl through the Christian life you were meant for walking you were meant for more And you access more through a mindset, through moment by moment, surrender and dependence to the inner promptings and the inner power of the Holy Spirit. This is why uh, Peter can say, uh, the very verse that that Brandon read a little earlier in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, 
he can say this, by his divine power, again, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. In other words, by putting our trust and trust alone in Christ and his finished work on the cross. He is the one who's called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a minute and we're going to glorify Christ together because he has given you and I everything we need to not only live through a, a pandemic, but to thrive through it, to walk through it with confidence and mercy and grace. So let's just take another moment and give him all of our praise. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, he's free. Yes, 
So let's sing that out, what God says about us. The chosen. You ready? I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, all is free indeed. I'm a child. You know, we made the observation a little earlier that uh, the command to have a mindset on the Spirit is intensely relational. I want to talk about that for a minute. An interesting fact, you know, whether we talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of keeping step with the Spirit or having a mindset on the Spirit or walking in the Holy Spirit, we've already said that all those commands are the commands to do the same thing, right? But we're never told in the New Testament how to do that. I want to talk about the why of that. You know, in other words, we're not given, hey, here's a checklist. Here's five things that you need to do to have a mindset on the Spirit. Because relationships don't come with a checklist, right? We just, we just live in that moment-by-moment moment surrender and in that moment-by-moment moment dependence, even when it's uncomfortable, right? And remember earlier when I talked about um, the two ways I could get you to my house. One would be Google Maps. The other would be, hey, follow me. Listen, if, if, you, if, if the writers of Scripture just gave you a checklist for how to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, then you would focus on that list. You would focus on what you needed to do. It would become the new list of rules that you need to do to please God and to make God happy instead of being yielded and surrendered and dependent to, upon the Holy Spirit of God. That's why this is so relational. It's important that we understand that. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to make this as practical as I can. So I want to give you three truths about the Holy Spirit uh, that I hope are going to um, encourage you as you decide to live out of his resources this week. So here's the first truth. It's this, the Holy Spirit is attractive to brokenness and to weakness. The Holy Spirit is attracted 
to your brokenness and to my weakness. Uh, and in, in the same vein, the Holy Spirit is repelled by pride and self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, right? Um, here's how we know this. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is um, talking about something he wanted desperately to get rid of. He calls it a, a thorn in the flesh. We, we're not sure what it was. He doesn't tell us, but whatever it was, it was embarrassing to Paul. Um, it was painful for Paul. He definitely uh, didn't want to have to, to go through life um, with this thing. And so he tells us that over three seasons of his ministry, he prayed for Jesus to remove it. And Jesus didn't. And instead, here's what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul kind of gets on that train, and he says, hey, in that case, I'm going to boast all the more gladly, right, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So Paul tells us very clearly here that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Here's what you need to know. Your weakness is the fertile soil for the work of the Holy Spirit. Your brokenness is an invitation to His power. Your weakness qualifies you for the work of the Holy Spirit. He does His best work in and through your brokenness and your weakness. And furthermore, and think about this, God is really not impressed by my strengths or your strengths, right? I mean, hey, listen, if you've got some strengths, that's great. But it isn't your strengths in which God's power shines through, right? It's your weakness. And this runs so countercultural. What Paul's really saying is he's saying, look, I'm going to, on my resume, I'm going to list my weaknesses, not my strengths, because it's through my weaknesses that God's power shines brightest. It was true for Paul, it's true for me, and it's true for you. Second truth of the Holy Spirit. Um, the truth of Jesus is the primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses. He uses the truth to expose uh, the lies that we're all tempted to believe, either about ourselves or about God or about our identity in Christ. Uh, so the Holy Spirit will use the truth of Jesus to lead and guide us, right? To expose the lies that we would believe otherwise. This is uh, why, uh, in fact, we'll talk more about this next week, but this is one of the reasons it's so important to have minds that have been saturated in Scripture because then the Holy Spirit can more powerfully and more readily pull, pull up into our minds, right, the Scripture that we need in any given moment. You know, I've made an observation over the years, and the observation is this. Some churches have the Word, and they're proud that they have the Word. 
And then other churches tend to lean a little bit more into the Spirit. And they're proud, right, that they have the Holy Spirit. But it's only when a church enters into a marriage between the Word and the Spirit that that church becomes mighty. And that's the kind of church we're trying to build here. Your family can become mighty through a merging of the Word and the Spirit. But in many churches across our country, there's just been a divorce. There's been a divorce from the power of the Word, from the power of the Spirit, and it was a divorce that was never meant to happen. It was never meant to occur, right? And then the third truth of the Holy Spirit that we want to get to is we want to say this the goal of the Holy Spirit is to magnify Christ in you the character of Christ is the goal of the Holy Spirit Christ in me and Christ in you and so the Holy Spirit is what we might call shy his preference is that you and I keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He would prefer to be the silent partner and that Jesus get all of the glory, right? He would prefer that we uh, were just fully aware of our need for and dependence upon Christ. And this is why the character of Christ is why we would always say character over giftedness you know when we're choosing a staff member or we're, you know if you were going to give me the option of choosing the people that I was going to do life with and do ministry with I'm going to pick character over gifting every single time even though the spiritual gifts also come from the spirit it's absolutely vital that you and I always, always, always walk in the character of Jesus that the Holy Spirit longs to produce in you and in me. And then finally, just one more verse, and we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to respond to our God together. But one more verse I want to uh, run you through, and it's one you've heard, probably one you've spoken before but I, I really want us to dig in and think about it together it's Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 it says this for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength now note it doesn't say I can do everything through self-discipline or I can do everything through keeping um, a bunch of rules right no this is intensely relational, right? And I don't, it's, it's not that I can do all things through my power that gives me strength. No, it's through Christ. It's through His power. The Holy Spirit that He sent to indwell you and I that we, He might live and move and breathe in each of us. Now, how can Paul say that? How can Paul say, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength? It's because of the Holy Spirit. So why should you say for even one more moment, I cannot, when God has said, oh yes, you can. You can. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. See, when God has sent His Holy Spirit 
to take up residence in you and to lead you through his inner promptings and to share with you his inner power, the power to overcome and move through life, even a hard life, with awe and wonder and joy and confidence. That's the God that we worship together today. So let's do that. Let me pray for you, for us, for your family, for our church family, and then we're going to worship, we're going to respond and worship, and Pastor Brandon will tell us how to do that. Let me pray for you, for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and for your spirit, your word that you've set before us and your spirit that you've placed within us. God, would you help us this week to live surrendered to that spirit in a moment-by-moment kind of way so that we might experience your inner promptings and your inner power. And it's by that spirit who lives and moves and breathes within us that I ask and that I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, so listen, as we respond, uh, we're going to do so in just a couple ways. Uh, We're going to sing another song here. Uh, It's called I Surrender. And so uh, the first way that you can respond um, is is simply by giving. If you're a member of our church, this is when you would normally uh, give give your tithe, your offering. Um, And uh, listen, uh, well, first, how can you give? Um, There's a link right now um, in the Facebook live chat. Um, Click on it. It'll take you to our website where you can give there. And uh, listen, if you're saying, I want to see the mission of SCC, I want to see the mission of, of the Bride of Christ, the church, um, go forward in Shelby County and surrounding areas, and I want to see uh, the needs of the, the poor and needy met in this season, and I want to see the gospel of Jesus move forward. Um, uh, yeah, you can give um, generously and sacrificially in that way, and that's one way you can respond. The other way um, is, is um, just like uh, what... I described at the beginning of our service, although I think the audio might have been out, so let me uh, share that with you. As a family, uh, don't feel any um, don't feel any pressure to um, you know stand up and, and and raise your hands and sing along and everything like that. If if maybe for you and your family and those around you it is awkward, um, just because um, music is is not just formally worshiping like that. If it, me- if it makes more sense, if, it, if it's easier to be in the heart of worship um, and to honor God easier by simply sitting on your couch and, um, and uh, hearing the truth or the posture that we're singing about in this song and uh, choosing to agree with that um, and choosing to reflect on God's goodness and maybe either verbally or in your thoughts, um, thank him for that and give him credit and praise for that. Um, that's worship too. Feel full freedom to worship like that. Get rid of the elephant in the room if that's what it takes for you to be um, fully engaged in, in, in uh, worship with your heavenly father. You know, those affections kind of going back and forth. And so uh, let's sing the song of surrender and posture ourselves in this um, spot of surrendering to the Holy Spirit's moment to moment leading. Just say, God, have your way with us. Surrendering all, surrendering all, and find me here, Lord. 
Jesus, breathe within. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. Like a mighty storm, stir within my soul. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way.
need you. We want to know you more. So would you help us um, sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that moment-to-moment whisper, that moment-to-moment leading. Help us to become more like you, Father. God, help us to do just that, is to marry your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, through that, would we see Shelby County and just explode with um, your hope and your goodness and your love and the promise of eternity with you. We pray and ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, this is awesome worshiping with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like Brad. Um, I, I miss terribly I'm getting to, to worship with you um, here in person. Um, but hey, that day's coming. And in the meantime, God has given us uh, a unique opportunity um, to be his hands and feet and to learn about him in a way that we never have before. Let's take advantage of that and really, really listen to those moment-to-moment um, promptings um, and, and, and nudges from the Holy Spirit. And I think if we do that, we're really going to discover all that God has for us in the season. So love you guys a ton. God bless. Uh, we'll be here uh, next Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. just like this morning. Um, yeah. Happy Sunday. We'll see you.